0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delightful page of Talmud each day. And I don't know if delightful is the word I would use to describe Bava, 35, because although a wonderful, insightful, life-affirming page, it does contain this following difficult nugget. Have a listen. With regard to an ox that was pursuing another ox, and the ox being pursued became injured, but there are no witnesses as to how it was injured, and this one, the owner of the injured ox, says to the owner of the pursuing ox, your ox injured my ox, and you're liable to pay me damages, and that one, the owner of the pursuing ox, says in response, no, rather it was hurt by a rock, and I'm not liable, then in this case, the burden of proof rests upon the claimant. As long as the owner of the injured ox cannot prove that the injury was inflicted by the pursuing ox, the owner of the pursuing ox is not liable. (laughs) Hamutsi mechavero alav haraaya, goes the beautiful Hebrew. The burden of proof rests upon the climate, which strikes me as this like great, big, complicated principles that we need to unpack. And when we need to unpack great, big, complicated principles, really, who do we call one man and one alone? Our friend and teacher... Rabbi David Mischewkin, how are you, my friend? Leo, what an absolute privilege to be
1: speaking with you on such a fundamental Talmudic concept that really lies at the very heart of the entire order, not just tractate, the entire order that we are studying, which is the order of Nazikin, all about damages. And this principle that is cited in the Mishnah, of And you read the Hebrew so beautifully, that if you want to remove property from your friend, you need to have the burden of proof, is in some ways a Talmudic phrasing for the principle that many of us are familiar with, which is possession is nine-tenths of the law. Whoever is in possession of something, if you want to remove that item, claim that it is yours, you need to establish proof. And this really gets to the heart of what makes monetary law in the Talmud so different from all other areas of law that we have discussed. Generally, when we have a, you know, let's say a a, a biblical law, you're not sure if somebody has been married before and you want to marry them, who's the burden of proof on? Normally, when we say that there is a, you know, a doubt, a concern, we're not sure if this is the case, and we're dealing with biblical prohibitions, like in in, in marital law or in any other area of law generally we usually say that in instances of a of of doubt it is better to be more stringent better to go ahead and say you know what I'm going to stay away from this I don't want to violate the prohibition yet all of a sudden when it comes to monetary law we're not sure who something belongs to there's this he said she said situation I think it belongs to me you say it belongs to you And all of a sudden we're relying on who has the possession. Why don't we establish the regular principle? This is a question of of theft. You claim that it belongs to you. The other person claims it belongs to them. This should be a standard case of doubt, not of doubt in monetary law, but a doubt with an actual prohibition at stake, the prohibition of do not steal. That's a big one. So why don't we say in these circumstances – You know what? Just give it to this other person. They're claiming that you stole it. They're claiming that you have their property. It's better to be stringent. Why don't we apply that normal principle that applies in all other areas of Jewish law? And this gets to the heart of what makes monetary law different. Monetary law. All of the law, what's known in in the Talmud as Dine Mamanos, Dine are the laws, Mamanos means money, that is really what establishes the status of ownership, and all the laws of prohibition that come afterwards are only based upon the status that monetary law, that Dine Muminus, first establishes. So, in fact, we don't have to be worried about accidentally violating theft. We don't have to worry that in situations of doubt, normally, we are more stringent because the laws of monetary law are what really lay the groundwork and foundation for all the other prohibitions to then... Apply their own statuses and their prohibitions. And that is why this tractate and this order in general is so foundational and so fundamental. It establishes what are the laws of ownership, who in fact owns this. And once you have that presumed status, like we have over here of Hamotzi mechaveru Olav Haraya, that whoever has it in their possession, the other person needs to bring the proof. It's only after these principles are first clarified, then afterwards we could get into questions of prohibitions, of theft, the principles of which normally apply in all other areas of law.
0: Wow, what a lesson in Talmud Law and Life. Rabbi David Bashevkin, thank you so much for being our guest. My
1: absolute pleasure.